He's got a beautiful backswing. That's, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Holy Official Podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys, Jim Woodward with you a little earlier on a Tuesday than we hope to be as Oklahoma and Oklahoma State both go out in the quarterfinals of the match play at the national championships. Oklahoma losing to Arizona State 3-2 to and Oklahoma State losing to in-conference rival Texas three to two. Sam, you are on the grounds there at Greyhawk in Scottsdale. Uh, I know you planned on being there until late tonight and again tomorrow. <laughs> uh, just very disappointing, and I imagine that the atmosphere down there is just kind of somber for the Oklahoma schools as this, I mean, let's be honest, this is not really how it was supposed to happen. Yeah, you know, it, it really is just kind of a bummer, right? I mean, we got one morning of golf, and that was it uh, in the match play, right? At, after a full year um, of us looking forward to this, it, this was about as big of a letdown as possible. Um, and, man, I mean, I, I think the surprise of the day was Preston Summerhays just being an absolute buzzsaw over Chris Goderup, uh shooting four under um, if he was playing stroke play today. Chris Goderup shooting shooting three over. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize that Preston Summerhays he's a big-time freshman, and, you know, he was a first-team all-Rolex junior, all-American, um, and, you know, tied with Goderup at the East Lake Cup. That, some people might remember that. But even though he, sh- he finished tied for 32nd in the stroke play, um, at nine over, that was probably my surprise of the day. Not probably, it definitely was, right, guys? Yeah, and oh, guys, wow. I don't know, Taylor. Your thoughts? You know, Chris got her up. Just the twenty-four hours that he had, he misses the short one yesterday on seventeen, three putts eighteen, misses the national championship by one, misses top five PGA Tour U, but then he gets awarded the Haskins Award, <laughs> right? Right. But, but then he comes out today, and it's just it, it's a heartbreak the way he goes down to Summer Hayes. I can't imagine. This is all easy for him. The way it finished at Greyhawk, obviously a phenomenal season, but the finish is going to sing. What did you think of uh, just kind of the way it all played out for Goddard up, Taylor? Very rarely do that if you win the Player of the Year award within the last 24 hours, and the last 24 hours really weren't worth shit. And that's kind of what happened for Chris, unfortunately. I mean, just just the the, the, the putts on the last few holes, guys, I know it's just a from you, and they get a little tricky. You have so much pressure on you. Because not only did Chris have the, the pressure for the uh, individual championship, but they, but him missing that putt, they ended up having a three-way tie. So the team individual ended up being second uh, via the tiebreaker. But, you know, guys, had they been able to get to the first, they would have played Texas Tech, a team that they had a lot of familiarity with throughout the year and a team that had beat on a consistently regular basis. So, you know, you just look at the domino effect of what happened there, guys, instead of having to play Arizona State on essentially one of their home courses. And then Chris running into a buzzsaw in a Preston tournament is going to be 7-5. and five. But, guys, those last couple of matches for, for OU, I think, were extremely, extremely telling. Obviously, Patrick Welch uh, losing one down to, to the Anderson kid. Anderson kid made a, a pretty long cut on 18 to screw that one-up win. But Stephen Campbell, guys, you know, he made that bad bogey on 17. You're thinking, man, man, that's where he lost it. But then able to get, I mean, the up and down he had on 18 from, what, 50 yards, 40 yards short of the green, whatever it was, extremely that clutch. That was a big-time shot, big-time shot. Well, and, I mean, he hit it to like four feet or whatever, then made made a really good putt on top of it. But they get to match play, guys, and it's just a classic example of, you know, first in, first in is usually the one that wins. And, you know, as soon as Sis hit his shot just a little bit further than Campbell's, I can tell from the TV, I said, man, 
If he makes his first putt, Campbell's putt gets a lot tougher. That hole gets a lot smaller after that. And unfortunately, that's what happens. So you go, you get from a situation where had Sis missed that putt, Campbell, in my opinion, probably makes that putt. So then you go from literally the team moving on to not making it. That just shows how far the line is. But, but Woody, I want your opinion on this because I was listening uh, to, to Sam and, and Trevor a little bit this second right before he came on. And, yes, I understand that, that these, but both OU and OSU have really great seasons. But, I mean, guys, I mean, how are these teams going to be able to look back on this and say that, that the season was progressive? I'm not sure because it's just you, you don't even make it to, to the round of four or make it to the national title. You lose in the first round of match play. It's obviously a lot better than not making it to the match play at all. But I don't know what it just seems like that, that these teams made it, had too good a season to end where it did. Well, you know what? We go back to that same thing we talked about earlier this deal when I told you I didn't like the alternates. Well, I don't like match play. Okay, uh, you know, I don't know which one I despise more, match play or the alternate. Um, it just, this can happen, and this couldn't happen. That's what's frustrating. I mean, that Summer Ace kid, I don't know if you guys know his pedigree, but let me tell you something, he's got a family full of good players. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, he they go all the way from the Champions Tour to playing on the regular tour and everything else. So that Summer Ace family, is strong, really strong. In fact, one of the summer hazes went to OSU, which I can't tell you which one it was back in the day, but one of them, I think, was an OSU cowboy. So he went ahead and went and turn-coated and went to Arizona State, which is cool. That's all right. But frustration, I hear it in my voice because I was looking so forward to having another national title in this state. I didn't know if it was going to be OU or OSU, but I thought they were the two best teams and. I black-clouded OSU because I downplayed Texas in the Big 12 said they're a bunch of donks. And so, guess what? It came back to haunt me. So, I don't know. Frustration? Yeah, I'm, I'm full of it right now. I need to. I wish it was hunting season so I could go kill something. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's just, like you said, we hyped it up all year and we, we downplayed Texas. Uh, you know, they couldn't get it done when it mattered at Prairie Dunes. Last year at the Big 12 Championships, they couldn't get it done down the stretch. This year at Whispering Pines when it matters in the Big 12 championships, but they get it done ahead of Oklahoma State. Uh, four Big 12 teams made the final eight. Only one of the four, none of them were playing each other somehow in the first round, just the way the bracket broke. Uh, but only one of the – actually, pardon me, Texas, no issue. The other, the other two, Texas Tech and OU get beat. Texas advances. So one of the four Big 12 schools makes it to the semi, Sam, and it is the Texas Longhorns, uh, the team that we've downplayed a bit all year. I mean, it took a, a pretty miraculous comeback from Jonas Baumgartner to even get that match where Oklahoma State had a chance to advance because they looked like they were out of it for a while. Mason Nome hits it into five feet on number eight after Jonas Baumgartner throwing it in there to three feet. There was a lot of drama there. Taylor, you talked about kind of the make-miss dynamic with Campbell and uh, Sis, Sis there on the 10th green in the playoff. But, Sam, what was the – the mood, obviously, for these teams, the number one and number two team in the country all year go down in the quarterfinals. Uh, we're going to have some interviews coming up later uh, in the show. You were able to talk to Coach Hibble and Coach Bratton as well as Logan McAllister. They were kind enough to give you a few minutes as they were disappointed. But what was the overall uh, mood besides uh, just the obvious disappointment whenever they got off the course today? Yeah, Colby, I mean, Oklahoma State's was definitely disappointment. Their mood was definitely disappointed. But – OU's mood was definitely in a state of shock, I feel like. I, I To me, I, I just think that um, 
having the freshmen play that well in these matches and then not getting really anything from Goderup or Welch, um, that that has to be just a state of shock for that van driving back to the hotel right now, right, Colby? Yeah, I mean, it would have to be. They had such high expectations all year. And, you know, it's a special group of guys that Coach Hibble had there with Chris Goderup, Logan McAllister, Patrick Welch. Those three guys sat down with us earlier this spring to talk about the, the season. And the goal was to win a national championship. And, look, it, it, it's so – in golf, right, Taylor? I mean, they go down there and, and one putt goes a different way for Stephen Campbell Jr. or Cameron Siff. Or maybe Gnome doesn't birdie eight on top of Baumgartner and they go into nine tied and it, it ends up different. It's such a fine line between your season being a success and your season ultimately being a failure, but that feels like too strong a word for the two teams that were the best throughout the season in the country. But obviously this isn't what they were looking for at Greyhawk. I, well, I guess what I'm asking, Taylor, is how do we categorize the season as a whole, knowing that it was so great right up until the last day when it went wrong? How, how do we categorize that and make sense of it whenever we look at the big picture? Well, guys, I think that what, what is, what's happened is, like, we think about, think about other sports, right? Think about the NCAA basketball tournament. I mean, how many times do we see the obvious number one seed or number two seed lose somewhere along the course of the tournament and not make it through? The difference is, is that because the basketball tournament's been around since the 30s or whatever, we're just used to it at this point. This match play is just it's so fresh for us, and we don't really know how, how to take it all in. And unfortunately, it's just the nature of the way this national championship is. As long as they want to play match play, and you have to look at it, and the season's a failure. I mean, I could understand if you get to the end of the match play, like, oh, you did last year, and then lose it, that stings probably even more than this does. But yet, I can still consider that a lot more of a success than what happened this week. So, I hate to say it, guys, I really do, but I think for both these teams, guys, I think the season you look back on, I think it's a failure at the end of the day. I truly do. Yeah, and it's possible that they would say the same. I, I can't imagine the disappointment running through them as disappointed as we are as fans of, of the game and the in-state schools. But, uh, I, I mean, Woody, is it is it too simple to just want to tag the season as success or failure? I mean, it's obviously more complex than that, but it, it can't be feeling like much of a success as these two teams have to, have to head back from Scottsdale early. Oh, he can't. I, I agree with you guys. But we still have to look back at the year they had. It was darn good. Oh, you won a Big 12 championship. Uh, you know, so I don't know. I mean, I think it's hard for us to put it on such a pedestal with the NCAA meaning so much. If I look at the tournaments that OU won and the scores they shot, and same with OSU, I have a tough time calling this year a failure. I really do. I just – I think it's the nature of the beast, what you guys have already said. We've all played enough golf. Let me tell you something. Match play, anything, anything can happen, and it always usually does. It's been a long time. We've, well, we've, OSU's maybe – have they won one in match play and so OU since it went to match yes, play? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. 17 and 18. And you think about how good a team those guys have had. Gee, many Christmas they've been strong, especially Oklahoma State there for a while. They had so many superstars, and they couldn't figure out a way to win this thing. So, I don't know. I think it's a hurdle they're going to have to work to get over. Uh, I'm not sure how to coach them. I, I'm not sure what those guys do, what Hibble and Allen do. Um uh, but they got to get better at this match play. I don't know how they do it, it but they got to get better at it. 
It, I mean, sorry to interrupt, but I, I just want to talk about how it, this year felt different as far as them not being clutch whatsoever. Like, obviously, got her up yesterday, Eugenio yesterday, laying up with an iron into the bush. We haven't even talked about that. Um, but Chris, I mean, w- missing the short putts on 12, 14, um, and 17, and then the three putt on 18 yesterday. I mean, it, and then today, there was just no clutch factor until we had Stephen Campbell Jr. Uh, make that par on 18 to send it into a playoff. But it really just never felt like OU was going to win. They felt like the underdog today. And same thing with OSU. Yeah, yeah it almost right. felt, guys, like the pressure. Woody, it almost felt like the pressure – to be so great and the pressure to set up that Bedlam National Championship, it almost felt like that was a wake. And again, I'm in Oklahoma. I'm a thousand miles away from Greyhawk right now. But just watching it, it, it felt like they were trying to live up to the pressure of being the two best teams all year. It, it didn't seem as free. It didn't seem as relaxed. It didn't seem as fun. I don't know. Did you get that vibe at all, Woody? Well, and I think that's, that's the nature of the beast also is that, that – there is a lot of pressure. That's what it's about. I, you know, I, I have a real tough time. I hate the term choking because they played so well and played so well all year long. They did a lot of things that were really good. Um, I, you know, I, I think both our schools tend to put almost too much pressure on this NCAA. I truly believe that. You know, let's, let's remember, guys, these kids, are 18 to 22 years old. That is not very old, gentlemen. There is a lot of water going to go under the bridge in their careers where they will have a lot of moments that are really heartbreaking. They're going to have some uptime, too. So we've said it all along. If you want to play golf, then you better get ready to ride a roller coaster. If you want to play some other sports, you can get on your merry-go-round, just go around the circle if you want. But if you're playing golf, Get ready. You're going to have some lows of lows, but, boy, when you get those highs, they're sure fun. Well, and, you know, guys, just, just to kind of add on to just the unique element that this match play has turned into, looking back on it, they, so they started in 2009 is when the match play officially started. Since then, only Augusta State, who won back-to-back 2010 and 2011, and Alabama 2013-2014 are the only teams to have won two titles since, they, since they've gone to that format. You're looking at, like, Texas A&M, Texas, LSU, Oregon, OU, OSU, obviously we mentioned them, Stanford, Pepperdine are the other teams. And it's like, we talk about how loaded it is around here, but, I mean, that's the case everywhere, right? We think of schools like Wake Forest, uh, who we were talking about them a lot earlier in the year. Um, and we mentioned Texas A&M just a second ago, Arkansas, some other teams who are these blue bloods who always do well. And then, like, UCLA, we're not even mentioning a lot of the West Coast teams. But we haven't seen anyone just straight up dominate since this match play has started. And, a lot of this has to do with the parity of it. So, guys, I guess I want to ask y'all's opinion on this. Whoever wants to take it is do do is because obviously it's better for television, right? The match play format is, but it's not as good as determining who is the best team and the best player. So, is is this the right way to do it? Are we going to see them change this in the next ten to fifteen years, or are they just going to keep doing this till the end of time? I keep thinking that it's just going to they're, well, they're going to stay with this just because it's entertaining. But um, I don't know, Sam. What's your opinion on just deciding? 
who's the best versus what's best for television. Yeah, it's obviously what's best for television, but, um, you know, there was a lot of complaining about Greyhawk from some of the players, but, uh, I mean, if you look at the stats, the top eight teams that made match play are the top eight teams on the golf stat ranking, so I think that Greyhawk was a great separator, but match play just is not. It, it, it doesn't separate the best teams, and obviously you had the number one and number two team in the country go down, um, and I think that match play just shows again that it, it's great for TV, but it's kind of a Mickey Mouse way to figure out a national champion. Yeah, but guys, yeah. always remember remember one thing. Always remember this. And no matter where we are in life, what drives any sport it's called money. Money. Right. That's all it is. If this is about money. This is not about getting the best team. I'm telling you right now, it's about money. Our whole lives, everybody lives for money. It's the root of all evil. The Bible will tell you that, okay? But it's what it is. So instead of those teams coming home and beating it up, they got to go about it with a different attitude. They got to find a different attitude that gets them ready to go in this match play and be the bulldogs that they're capable of being, get focused like Kevin Kisner. Hey, do you want to play him in match play? I don't. I don't want to play that son of a gun in match play because he knows how to win at match play. There is a formula to winning at match play that is different than stroke play. You don't play it very often, but, boy, you better learn how to play it. If you're ever going to be a dominant force in Division One college golf, you better learn how to play match play, period. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I, I just wanted to, you know, tell you said not everybody's dominating the match play, and you're right. Augusta State did it two years. Alabama did it two years. Nobody else has done it more than once. But this year we have a 50-50 chance now that another Pepperdine. team is going to do it for a second time with either Texas or Pepperdine. Texas won yeah, in 2012 point. at Riviera. Right. Pepperdine won last year at Greyhawk. So if one of those two ends up getting it done this year, then we're going to have three different schools now who have done it twice. And I'm looking at OU and OSU. And OU and OSU in this, in this time frame here, over the last decade, decade plus, whenever you factor in Oklahoma State with those teams they had 2010, 2011 with those guys, have been the most dominant forces in college golf in schools like Alabama and Augusta State and Pepperdine or Texas are going to be walking away with more trophies. And that is a hard pill to swallow, but, but I don't think match play is going anywhere. It's, you, you know, obviously it's great TV, it's great drama, and that's kind of what you need. And, you know, George Mason, George Mason makes a run and makes the Final Four, and we all talk about how great it is and how much fun it is. Right. But then for us, and, and I know I feel this way, selfishly for us, we, we cover the two best golf programs in the country. So a stroke play thing, I mean, that would be much preferable uh, to what we're doing. But to a school like Arizona State, I mean, Arizona State's got a better chance with match play. Texas Tech, they got in, they had a better chance with match play. So it, it does open up the door for some Cinderella's. You know, match play, you still have to go out and you still have to have three guys play well. I don't think it's a terrible way to decide the national champion. You're going to have an occasional year where, you know, like what Oklahoma State did at the Blessings, then they lost in the semifinals to Texas that year. That's going to happen occasionally. But even if it had been stroke play this year, OU and OSU wouldn't have won the Natty, and those were the two best teams in the country. So uh, I I guess that's a long way to to say that, uh, Taylor, I I don't think that match play is going anywhere. I I do think that there's potential in the future that we could have – essentially match play, stroke play, where five guys still play head-to-head, but they play stroke play instead of match play. So if one guy makes triple on a hole where another guy makes 30, 
the guy who makes birdie is given a bunch bigger reward for that. I think we've talked about that some in the past, Taylor, and I think that that would be more likely uh, to come about than them ever just reverting back to complete stroke play. Okay. Uh, I, 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 let me ask you one question, Taylor. I don't mean to interrupt you, but let me ask you guys one question. Would you rather be like Augusta State and win two of them and then be a dog? <laughs> or would you rather have great teams that every year you think have a chance? There's uh, one three I, which way. I, I would prefer to have uh, the more bo- the the class phrase the more shots you have, the better chance you have to make it. So I would rather have a great team every year. And you know, Augusta Augusta State's kind of the outlier in that one because they have the notorious cheater Patrick Reed on their team. So who knows what kind of stuff they got away with down there? <laughs> you know, I, I think I think a, a better question is like let's look, let's look at Alabama, right, guys? I mean, how loaded were they for numerous years? And this year they don't even make a damn regional. So I mean, no. It, it, I mean, so are, are we going to see one of these state schools potentially get to that? Uh, I'm not. I'm not really sure. So, um, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you guys in particular, but you know, if y'all want to pick off the Woody's, go ahead. But this is kind of on the same line of match. But I want to ask you, Sam, since you were out there, could you feel the momentum shifting whenever people realized that Goddard was four down through six and five down through seven? Could you? Was there a little bit of sense in the air? that that was kind of deflating for the OU team? Absolutely. I mean, all day it was like you were playing behind the eight ball. Um, and obviously you got a little momentum back when uh, Logan McAllister kind of uh, righted the ship right around the turn and, and ended up getting the lead. But then, um, man, it, it just felt like OU was the underdog all day. And um, it, I think the number one reason why it felt like that is because got her up by the time it was, you know, six or seven, you knew that it was basically over. Yeah, and that was obviously tough for OU because you, you want your guys at the top uh, to, to be there and to lead the way and have great days. They don't always have great days. Sometimes you have a bad day on the golf course. That kind of goes to what you said, Woody. You know who never has a bad day is Quail Creek Bank. If you're a small business owner looking for a bank that understands your unique financial needs, it is Quail Creek Bank. If you want to develop a relationship with a banker who knows you and your family by name, that is Quail Creek Bank. That is their mission. They are a family they consider their customers part of that family as well. Uh, go experience the difference at Quail Creek Bank. It's 405-755-1000. 122nd North May here in Oklahoma City, 405-755-1000. Go see our friends at Quail Creek Bank. Uh, Sam, Coach Hibble was fortunate enough, nice enough to uh, stop and talk with you after the Sooners finish up their round. Uh, let's hear from Coach Hibble, uh, obviously disappointed at the way things things broke, but all class per the usual. Uh, here's Oklahoma head coach Ryan Hibble. And now we are joined by the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners, um, Ryan Hibble. And, Coach, obviously it wasn't the way you guys wanted it to end today, and I'll kind of ask you the same thing I just asked Logan. What were your overall impressions, not only of the day, but this season as a whole? Well, as this, the season goes, I mean, it was phenomenal, right? I mean, this one's one for the ages for us and, and um, something that we can continue to keep building on as a program. I'm so proud of my guys and, uh, you know, our accomplishments this year. Um, and, and not just about the, our results. You know, everyone's talking about the wins. I just felt we really grew as a, as a team, as a program this year. And I told, I told all the guys when we got done <clears throat> that the only thing I ask every year is that we're getting better. And I feel like we got better this week, to be honest with you. And uh, I think from August until now, I believe we got a lot better too. So I'm just really excited and proud of them because of that. 
Absolutely. And kind of going along those lines, what what type of things will you tell Chris? Because obviously there's a huge silver lining being named Haskins Award winner. Um, and obviously it wasn't the best couple of days for him. What things will you tell him in the van or maybe back at the hotel? Well, I, I don't know. We've, we've got to all just go back and process this a little bit. And, you know, part of athletics is losing. And it's, it's something that we probably don't talk enough about. Um, you know, my girls, my two own girls are walking down the 10th ferry with me after we got beaten. I told both of them, I said, this is why we do what we do, you know. And um, this is the way college athletics, athletics in general is supposed to be. What a great theater we had. One of the greatest matches I've ever been a part of. Um, so it's just one of those things for, for a guy like Chris, I mean, you're going to win, you're going to lose. And if you do this sport long enough, you're going to actually probably lose a lot more than you're going to win, right? Uh, what I'm sad for him right now is I know that he – forget about what happened yesterday. He's a team guy. He's a super, super team guy. And, um, you know, I know that he feels like he let us down, um, you know, because of what happened today. It has nothing to do with yesterday. So uh, – but I'm, I'm so proud of him and Logan and their careers – um, you know, Chris has only been for, with us for a year, but Logan's been with me for four. His growth and maturity has been amazing. I can't wait to see what these guys do professionally. And, uh, you know, but with that, you know, we're excited about this this group that will be coming back and, and the growth and maturity that we're going to have out of these guys. Yeah, and speaking of that, the freshmen really played well today. I know that Campbell Jr. ended up losing the match, but if anyone actually watched the match, it was a heck of a fight. Just tell me a little bit about what the freshmen meant to you today. Well, Drew um, Drew Goodman, I'm going to start with him. He did a great job all year long. I mean, as a true freshman, um, outside of maybe Grant Hirschman, probably our, our best true freshman that I've had since I've been in Oklahoma, um, as far as a year is concerned, well, I don't know. Brad, Brad's Brad's freshman year and Hirsch's freshman year, they're very comparable. So I would put him in that same category as as Dalkey, Hirschman, um, and Goodman, and that's that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good pretty category to to be in. And and Drew did a great job. He get, went out and got us a point today, which we felt comfortable with him in match play. Um, so that was fantastic. And then Steve, I mean, the reason. One of the main reasons why Steve is where he's at with with our golf team is because of the passion that you saw him show and display coming down the stretch. He loves be, kind of being the center of attention, and um, so all those eyeballs on him only makes him be better. Uh, you know, and I, I hated what what happened to him over on seventeen. We we laid back to a, a number that uh, he's a very good wedge player. Uh, you saw him hit a great wedge shot on 18, and I was kind of expecting that on 17. We were kind of playing our odds a little bit, and he didn't do a very good job there. But, um, you know, overall just I, I know he got better, you know, from this moment, and I'm excited for his summer and uh, him coming back next year. Uh, all, all these young guys, you know. I just talked to Patrick Welch in the locker room. I told him, hey, this is your team now, and uh, it's time for you to take the reins. And, and uh, you know, Drew and Steve are going to be in the same boat. And then, obviously, out there, you're playing Arizona State, but there were just as many OU fans as ASU fans out there. Speak a little bit to the people back home and, and that were out here uh, about their support. Well, I I've believe that that's the mark of a program that is, you know, heading in the right direction. People that are willing to spend their time and money and energy um, to come out to Phoenix. We had a great crowd today. 
and uh, you know it's only Tuesday morning. So I hate that we couldn't get the job done to to give them a little bit more golf to watch, but it was so much fun. Uh, There's so many boomers getting thrown around out there, and just the the amount of people and love and support that we have for Oklahoma golf right now is is truly special, and and I still think we can get that much better. So um, you know, everybody get ready. Absolutely, and then looking forward to next year. Obviously, it'll be at Greyhawk again. What did you think of the golf course setup this year as compared to last year, and what might you like change for next year? I I honestly love everything about Greyhawk. Um, you know, I, I hear a lot of complaining and whatnot, and and I've never seen a golf course separate itself out <clears throat> like this one has done the last two years. If you look at the match play last year, it was basically the best eight teams that were playing golf that year. Um, this year, I mean, it, it's it's the best teams. I mean, yep. you, you you don't have any sleeper in this match play. Every team here could have won the could win the national championship. It was the top eight teams on the yeah. golf stat rankings. Yeah. yeah, and in match play, anything if you get here, anything's possible. You only need three points, and um, so I, I love how the golf course plays. To be honest with you, I love the separation. It uh, it takes a very patient uh, thought process. Uh, there's birdies to be made, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of bogeys and, and others out here as well. So, uh, you know, for, for guys that can't control their golf ball very well, it, you know, it separates. So uh, you won't hear me complain about this golf course. Absolutely. And then just as far as you being the coach of Oklahoma, are you taking some time off uh, or are you going right back on the recruiting trail? <laughs> no, I, I got a camp on Friday. <laughs> okay. You got a camp coming up soon. Um, yeah, and I've, then I'm, I'm sure you're out recruiting this summer as well. So. Yeah, I'll be out recruiting all summer long and that's what we do. And yeah, when we get done, unlike a lot of other sports where maybe there's an opportunity to chill out, it actually amps up that much more for us for the next couple months. Uh, and then we're right back into the swing of things in August. Uh, you know, my off time usually is kind of November, December. So, um, but you know, this one, this one's it. It, it never feels good uh, whenever you lose. It, it never feels good. But I, you know, from my perspective, it's just it's so much fun to be here. The only reason why I get disappointed and sad is for my guys because I don't want them to miss out. It's like your own kids that you have. You know, you don't want them to miss out in certain moments of their life, right? And and that's the that's the same thing I feel about my own guys is I want them to have that moment, uh, you know, in the semifinals and then that moment in the national championship match. And we're not going to get it this year, and, and it stinks because they've all worked so you know, so hard. Uh, but, uh, you know, what a great year. Well, OU fans should be proud. There's not a classier coach in the business. Thank you so much for taking <laughs> some time after this, Coach. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. All class, as usual, from Coach Hebel. want to extend our sincere thanks to him. Uh, for say, taking some time for us after what was uh, a tough loss and a tough morning out at Greyhawk. He wasn't the only one. After the break, we're going to have Coach Bratton from Oklahoma State as well, who took some time to talk to Sam. Uh, but Logan McAllister, one of the leaders on this team for Oklahoma, uh, great season, great career at the University of Oklahoma, uh, and a great guy. He took some time to talk with Sam as well. Here is what Logan McAllister had to say after Oklahoma was eliminated this morning at Greyhawk. And we are back here on the 73rd Hole podcast, and now I'm joined by Logan McAllister of Oklahoma. And Logan, obviously, it was not the finish that you guys wanted out there today, but you did get a victory um, out there in your match. Just tell me the overall impressions of the day um, and then maybe the overall impressions of the season. Yeah, I mean, I can't say enough about what OU's done for me, both as as a person and as a golfer, um, that's that's the first thing I'd like to say. Just because these these four years that I've had, 
in Norman and elsewhere have been the best four years of my life without without a doubt in my mind. And so being able to to uh, go at it one last time with the with the boys was was pretty special today. Obviously, we wish we would have been able to get it done. But um, you know, in golf, you don't get to hold the trophy very often, whether it's individually or a team. So I'm proud of the guys and how hard we fought today. It wasn't like we beat ourselves; we just kind of got beat. So um, you know, it was obviously a great year and a disappointing way to end. But but I'll still take a lot of positives from this year, and I know that these guys will keep. Keep rolling under Coach Hibble. He's the best coach in the country. He'll he'll have everyone back next year. Tell me about the freshmen today. That I mean, obviously Campbell Jr. ended up not winning the match, but I mean, if anyone actually watched the match, it was a heck of a fight uh, going up against Cameron Sisk, and then obviously Drew Goodman uh, winning his match. Tell me what that meant to you guys today. Yeah, I mean, Drew going out and in his first national championship played four pretty good rounds in stroke play, and then being able to go out and beat a guy um, this this morning was huge. He is a really, really good player, and he'll continue to get better, obviously. And then Steve gave it all he's got on those last – I mean, the putt he made on 16 was so big, and then to get that up and down on 18 was huge. Um, you know, number 10 is what it is. That's just – that's golf. I mean, first guy in a lot of times ends up winning the match. So I'm really proud of those two guys, and I know that, that their future here at OU is going to be really, really bright, and uh, it'll be something special to watch them in the next three years. Yeah, obviously a tough couple days for Chris. Um, just as a teammate and a friend, what will you tell him going forward? Obviously, uh, the news came out today that he won the Haskins Award. I'm sure that's a bit of a silver lining, but what will you tell him maybe on the van going back to the hotel? Yeah, I mean, without Chris this year, we, we would not be where we're at right now. He's he's the best player in the country. He just got voted as the best player in the country by coaches and players. So if the coaches and players are voting for you, then you've, you're probably doing something right. So I'm really proud of Chris for being able to come in here into a different environment, a lot different environment than New Jersey, small Big Ten school. Um, and then coming to OU and being able to play the golf he did is, is really, really special. And I tell everyone that asks me about Chris that he will be a top ten tour player within the next three years, legitimately three years. I mean, I know he's going to go play a few this summer, and, and don't be surprised if he goes out and wins one. Um, he's that good. And, and I can't say enough about what he did for this team this year, both on the course and off. What were your overall impressions of the golf course setup this week? Did you guys like it? Were you in favor of how it played? And um, obviously, are you guys in favor of, you know, having it at the same place three years in a row? And how to, how maybe did it play different from last year? Yeah, I mean, we like it because there's so much separation. I mean, we saw it in stroke play. I think it was after, I don't know what it was after four. I didn't look. But after three rounds, it was like we were 25 shots up on eighth place or something, which is normally the sign of a good golf course. Yeah, some people might not like how firm or how quick the greens are, um, but any course that's able to to have separation like that is is going to be a good championship test. And um, along the, the three years in a row, I might not be the biggest fan of, but I understand why they do it for TV and, and um, being able to just stick with the same course. And I think they've done a really, really good job in these two years, and I know next year it'll, it'll be – just as good and then my last one what are your plans for this summer and next year yeah I get rolling quick I'm playing sectionals on Monday and then straight into the corn Ferry schedule so I was lucky enough to lock up those seven starts this summer on corn Ferry, and hopefully I can use those and uh, play well enough to to earn my card that's the plan at least Absolutely. Well, I know a lot of people back home were enjoying watching the coverage and um, everything that you guys did this week so it wasn't just a loss in the first round it, you guys made a lot of people happy back home. Yep. I appreciate it, Sam. Thanks for having me on.
a big thanks again to Logan McAllister and to Coach Hibble for taking some time. Uh, incredibly difficult dealing with this loss. Uh, it's part of sports, right? The highs and the lows, uh, and the lows abound today for the golf teams here in the state of Oklahoma. Why don't we take a break, come back on the other side. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Oklahoma State, their match against Texas. Uh, we'll hear from Coach Bratton, talk about Greyhawk uh, hosting the tournament, obviously, several years in a row, the teams remaining, uh, who we think might win the national championship. All that good stuff still coming up. Stay with us here on the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. We are back rolling along here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Go over to golfoklahoma.org. That is golfoklahoma.org. Uh, we'll be recapping all of the happenings at Greyhawk. Uh, great coverage, the best in the state for golf in the state. Golfoklahoma.org. And make sure you follow us on Twitter at the 73rd hole, Instagram, 73rd hole, uh, as we produce great content as well throughout the golf season. Uh, golf season's cut a little bit short here in the state of Oklahoma uh, with OU and OSU failing to advance to the semifinals of match play. Uh, Taylor, I think it was you who mentioned as we kind of turn our sides here a little bit toward Oklahoma State. So really where things started going wrong for Oklahoma State was yesterday on the 17th tee, Eugenio Takara, Lopez Takara, he he triple seven, just loses his ball after he slips off the tee, big snap hook, loses it, makes triple. At that point, you think his national championship hopes are dead. We all did. Don't forget about the double on six. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, double six, triple seven. We assume that his chances are cooked. And then he goes birdie, birdie, birdie at eight, nine, ten. He ends up walking off 16 green with a one-shot lead, <laughs> steps up to 17T, and like you said earlier, he, he pulls an iron, hits it into a bush, is able to hack it up to the fringe, but he's got 70 feet up, over, down, across. The hardest like putt on the ridges. course, by the way. The, the hardest putt on the course. The hardest putt on the course. TV does not do justice to the slope on that green in any way, shape, or form. He three-putts it, makes bogey, then can't end up getting it done in the playoff. Bogey's the first playoff hole before Gordon Sargent from Vanderbilt wins it. But uh, I, I don't know. What did you think, Sam? You were following that group yesterday. Takara pulls iron on 17. I'm thinking, cool, safe play. Get it up there inside 20 feet for birdie, and, and let's give ourselves a chance. And then he, he messes up the layup, man. It's just it, it's the national championship pressure, and, and I think it got to him. Sam, you were with that group. What was it like uh, watching them kind of stumble yesterday, the last couple holes down the stretch, Takara in particular leading with two holes left? 
Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I, I figured that he would, you know, at least hit three wood or driver. Like you can't. My point is, if you lay up on seventeen, don't hit a club to get to where the desert juts out right there. That's the narrowest Bingo. part of the fairway. I don't know why you either lay back to where it's wider or hit more club to where it's wider. That was just. I mean, I know he didn't execute the layup shot, but I mean, I, I feel like it was. Uh, a dumb decision in the first place, but you know it, it was an interesting dynamic out there yesterday because it seemed like every time either Goderup or Chikara got any momentum whatsoever, like when Goderup hit it close on 14, that missed missed the putt on 14, finally hits another one close um, on 17, missed the putt there, but then Chikara, you know, he makes the birdie on 15 and then hits it long left on 16, which you can't do, but then makes a great putt and then um, you know I, I thought he had all the momentum in the world right there I mean you'd have the one shot lead just made a great up and down and then um just I mean shocking really on 17 which is pretty much a nothing hole for these guys especially with it playing downwind like it was yesterday go ahead Taylor, but I just, Taylor I just wanted you to touch on Taylor the, the not only how pressure in those moments makes you do something a little funky with your swing you know we saw Mito Pereira looks like he got electrocuted on 18 at, at the PGA when he made contact but not just the physical aspect of it, but that pressure could cause you to make decisions that you might not otherwise make. Like, for example, hitting one too many clubs when you're laying up and ending up in a bush. I, I, I 100% agree, guys. I think that at the end of the day, everyone looks at, like, for example, you think of Mito Pereira, and some people are talking about him. He shouldn't have been driver. I don't even know so about that. But you, so most people are focused on the swing and how late he was and all that. But I completely agree in the sense of, because you know, a lot of people say this a lot of times that people don't think about this. It's like caddies can get nervous too when they're playing. And I know obviously there's not caddies at this tournament, but it's the sense of like you don't even have to be hitting a shot and you can make mistakes. You can – whatever it may be, you can say, for example, oh, they moved the tee up or something like that. Or you may say, oh, well, I hit a club yesterday on this ball, I hit the same thing, and you just somehow forget that the wind was blowing 10 miles an hour different or something like that. I mean, it happens all the time you see it from these guys. So, And, and you know, guys, just, just to kind of uh, piggyback on going into the playoffs, I found this very interesting. I didn't realize this. I was looking at it earlier. This has to be like the first time this has ever happened. Gordon Sargent, the, the freshman that won for Vanderbilt, before the playoff yesterday when he birdied 18th hole, did not make a birdie in his final round. That has to be the, the only time that a, a <laughs> national has not – went birdie free in his final round. Birdie free and won the national title. It absolutely blows my mind. And then – He birdied the one that mattered. Hey, hey, he did. He played the 19th hole, which I think most of our most of us and our listeners are more familiar with the 19th hole than the other 18. So, but you know, just even we keep looking at um, Goddard up as kind of not having his best finishing hole. So I look back on it, guys. You know, Parker Cootie, he bogeyed two of his last three holes, or he could have won the national title. Um, we already played the car on 15. William Mallow Pepperdine, he bogeyed 18, or he could have been in the playoff. Um, we obviously mentioned uh, Goddard up obviously a hundred times, but and then uh, for uh, Fernandez. Uh, uh, however you pronounce his last name, the kid from Arkansas, he bogeys his last two holes to miss the playoffs. So, I, I mean, just the pressure, guys, it didn't just extend to our state schools, guys. It extended everywhere down the line. Yeah, and the wind was really picking up at that point too, Woody. Um, what did you see yesterday? Um, because today, it, I mean, the wind is maybe you know picking up a little bit here right now for the afternoon matches, but yesterday it was about as windy as I've ever seen it in Scottsdale, and I know you mentioned it earlier. What did you see? Um, maybe not just the pressure, but you know the, the wind messing with these guys out here. 
Well, and I would I would almost say that's a good defense, except for our teams from Oklahoma playing the wind. Especially <laughs> <laughs> this year, it, it's not like any of our guys don't know how to play in the wind. Uh, I, I think that the, you guys hit the nail on the head. You, you you're going down that last stretch of holes. You know how critical. We always make a big deal out of the golf tournament, the last nine holes. We kind of forget about all the holes they played before. But the last nine holes are always the ones we focus in on. And really, honestly, nobody really closed well. Nobody did. I mean, you, you said it best. You guys said it best when you said, look at all the guys that could have won the golf tournament that didn't. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, it was it was it was kind of like oh my gosh at times at the PGA you know a couple of weeks ago we were like does anybody want to win this and that was what was probably so telling is it wasn't our teams it was everybody everybody that had a chance really blew it and then that that one boy from Vanderbilt just hung in there and somehow birdied the 19th hole like you say he ends up being the winner. I think in golf tournaments, we love to see somebody, and we got spoiled with Tiger Woods, of course. Tiger would go out and win golf tournaments. It seems like now we almost have people lose golf tournaments. That's yeah, the way I look at it. You're, you're absolutely Colby, right. Yeah, Colby, no, you're absolutely right. Go ahead, Sam. Go ahead, Sam. Go ahead, Sam. I was just going to tell the stat about how uh, amazing Gordon Sargent's win was yesterday. It was the ninth freshman to win the NCAA title, but it was the first one since USC's Jamie Lovemark did it in 2007. Ironically, Jamie Lovemark, some people might remember that when Ricky was first getting on tour, was in the playoff here at Greyhawk uh, with Ricky Fowler in that Fries.com Open. So I thought that was a little cool stat there. How high, Jamie Lovemark? I got to pull up. How high, Jamie Lovemark? Oh, God. <laughs> Boy, this is random. I didn't think this is where we were going to end up. How high, Jamie Lovemark? I'll go, I don't know. 42, Jackie Robinson. Mariano uh, Rivera, 42. Give me uh, 60. Where are you going with, Woody? Well, I don't rate men. I don't I don't look at men. <laughs> so, so I'll give him a two. Well, his name is Jamie, so, I mean, he might be able to go both ways. Um, I can't, but, I can't uh, the go highest, there. The highest rating oh is a 77, which is, uh, pretty low. His best finish in a major C18, which is pretty crazy because a lot of people won't remember this. You know, he was such a great amateur, and he was the uh, it was nationwide tour back then, player of the year back in 2010. So he's had a very uh, underwhelming career for what we talked about. Yeah, no doubt. Maybe he should be a model. <laughs> maybe he should. Camera <laughs> did him 60, so maybe he should. Uh, why don't we do this? Why don't we hear from Coach Bratton, uh, who again can't say enough about the class of the coaches and the teams here in the state of Oklahoma. Things don't go wrong. Uh, they stepped to the mic. You know, Chris Goddard did the interviews yesterday. Uh, today, Coach Coach Hibble, Logan McAllister, and Coach Bratton took some time uh, to talk with Sam and talk about just kind of the disappointing end to the season. Here's Coach Bratton uh, after Oklahoma State lost to Texas this morning in the quarterfinals at Greyhawk. And we are back here on the 73rd hole, and now we are joined by head coach of the Oklahoma State Cowboys, Alan Bratton. And, Alan, obviously it wasn't the finish that you guys wanted, but it was a really solid year. Just tell me about your overall impressions, not just of today, but of the entire year. Yeah, I think I think you're exactly right. It's always an abrupt end. Right. Um, you know, unless, obviously, you're holding the trophy at the end of the week. So it wasn't what we were looking for um, for the week. But like you said, we had a good year. I mean, you don't come into the championship ranked 
uh, a second like we did without doing a lot of good things. So pleased with our guys across the board. I think every one of them got better and beyond just the guys that were here. We got 12 guys on our roster, and I think every single one of them improved quite a bit. They played quite a few tournaments. So uh, we return everybody except for Amin Gupta uh, for next year, and he advances on PGA Tour U, and he damn near played his way into the Corn Ferry Tour. Absolutely. Um, he got into contention every single week this year, and I kept feeling like Amon had that in him, and he finally delivered You know, this semester. would have liked to have seen him – uh, get a match win. I mean, he was in an important match in the anchor spot for us today, and we just didn't play well enough today. But uh, you got to give Texas credit. They've got a hell of a team. And, and then as far as the week here, you got to really credit the people at Greyhawk and at Arizona State. I, I don't think we've ever had the top eight teams make match play. So clearly the course identified the best teams, and, uh, you know, we just didn't play good enough to win. But, but we'll hold our heads up, and the uh, future looks good for Oklahoma State golf. Absolutely, and obviously Eugenio had a great week. Um, just talk a little bit about his game just from the beginning of this year coming into this tournament and then obviously showing up again big and making the playoff and then winning his match today. What did Eugenio mean to you this year and then you know going forward into next year, obviously coming back, that was a bit of a surprise to some people, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's a hell of a player, and, and um, you know we're humbled that he ch- he's choosing to come back. That's not the way the world normally looks at things kids seem to get in a hurry and i can promise you there's no shortcuts to success in professional golf or on the pj tour and if you happen to stay a little too long just get in a tournament and go win like phil mickelson or scott verplank or or pablo martin uh one on the european tour playing for us so uh i know he knows there's growth uh that 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 you know he needs his skill set is fantastic um i think he's the best amateur in the world and the best player in college golf so um you know, and he came close to proving that this week, losing in a playoff. So really pleased with his performance for the week. He was battling a little injury, and, uh, you know, he, he battled a bad start yesterday. I think he had oh, bogey chances on the first seven holes and makes double on six and triple on seven. And for the most part, the rest of the way in, he didn't miss a shot, and he had a chance to win the golf tournament. You really can't ask for anything more than that. So if he can keep building on that, keep staying in the present. He likes to get a little bit ahead of himself. And uh, he's an emotional kid, but he's got that under control. And I I love to see him. So many guys, you know this, you know, we all criticize ourselves when we do something wrong, which he certainly does. But he's a guy that will actually celebrate when when he's good. There's not a lot of middle ground for him. He'll tell you he's amazing on one hole and the next (laughs) shot that he sucks. So um, he's gotten so much better in the last two years, and I can't wait for him to help lead our guys next year. So um, we return a great group, and, uh, yeah, expectations will be high again for us. And, and this kind of sting always drives you. You know, we had the same thing last year, losing in the semifinal, when we felt like we had a team that was capable of winning. But only one team gets to gets to leave with the trophy, and unfortunately it's not us this week. What things did you see from Texas that they did better than you guys today, and what, what things can we expect to see from their guys heading forward? Yeah, I mean, their team's really deep, same as us. You know, we outplayed them this year, I think, over the year. But, you know, some of that was the Cootie Twins were hurt for part of the year as far as the rankings maybe go. But they've got a good team, you know, and and they were the better team today. I, I know I heard it sounded like uh, Parker didn't make any mistakes. Mm-hmm. I think Don, Donnie was with his match, and I, I don't think he made a bogey. Uh, I think that's what he told me. Um, and then Amon said Cole was solid, too, and didn't make mistakes. So that's how you win. That's Absolutely. how you put pressure on your opponent. 
That's what we wanted to do. Your goal is always to control matches, make your opponent where they're irrelevant, put pressure on them by fairways and greens, and we must not have done that in in those matches that we lost. Eugenio certainly did. He was in control from the beginning and um, got to credit Pearson. Both It was a very well-played match. Pearson did a nice job of extending. He chipped in on uh, seven to extend the match, which was the 16th hole, and then he stuffed it on on eight. So, um, yeah, they've got a good team going forward. They're, they'll be tough to beat. But, you know, I mean, you got the top eight teams. Yeah. You've got Arizona State playing at home. Not that they play Greyhawks so much, but they play in these conditions all the time. You know, you've got Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and everybody other than Arizona State's trying to compute yardages back to home where those guys just – it's just what their eight iron goes or their wedge or whatever. So I think that's an advantage, and they've got a deep team as well, but so does Pepperdine, and Vanderbilt's only lost to one team all semester. So um, that's going to be exciting. It's great for our sport. I just hate that we're not a part of it. How did Eugenio take the loss in the playoff yesterday, and what did you tell him last night? Because he looked ready to play this morning, and, and everything looked – good as new and and it's kind of tough to kind of it's like two different tournaments right and so you kind of got to gear up within a short amount of time what things did you talk about last night it it really didn't phase him you know all day while he was playing yesterday he just kept asking me how we're doing I mean we had a you know massive lead but he only cared about the team and and he continued to say that and I think that helped him you know he knew that that he needed to to continue to play and had a chance to win, but all he cared about was the the team championship. That's all he talked about yesterday while he was playing. That's all he talked about last night. That's all he talked about with the guys this morning. Um, He loves match play. He's got tons of match play experience. They play a ton of that over in Europe. We have several European guys. So I think our guys guys thrive in that setting, and he certainly does, and he uses those those good emotions uh, to his advantage. So it was fun to watch him play, and, and again, proud of his performance you know, Jonas did a nice job, too, of at least giving us a chance. He he was looked to be dead in the water, and coming into the last hole, we had stolen a little momentum with Brian winning and Eugenio, and if Jonas could could close out that last hole, we could have changed things, but didn't quite get it done. But, but yeah, our guys were focused on the team. That's why you come here. There were no names on our bag. They were all playing for Oklahoma State, and they can hold their heads high, and hopefully Cowboy Nation's proud. Speaking of Cowboy Nation, that was my next question. There was a lot of orange out here today, um, and obviously on Twitter and, and watching the Golf Channel back home, there were a lot of people that cared. And, and just what do you kind of say to the fans back home? Well, I mean, we always have great support. Um, I wish we could play in Stillwater all the time because the way our fans come out, not so much any course advantage. I don't even know that there is a course advantage at, at Karsten Creek. The advantage is that our fans come out, and that's so good for our sport. That's the only thing that's lacking here. I mean, we had some people in Orange, and I think all the schools had pretty good support. Um, but it's still we, the sport, the, the drama that was out there, the test that Greyhawk provided deserves more fans. And, uh, but unfortunately, this time of year, and it's just not going to happen in, in Phoenix. That's the only downside to being here. Um, you know, we, our sport, the people running the tournament need to figure out a way to promote the event. Um, people love golf here. They do. They're used to the Phoenix Open, but uh, we've got to figure out a way to get some more fans out here to enjoy the great golf from these young guys. You mentioned Amon is the only guy not coming back next year. Just tell me a little bit about what he meant to the program. Yeah, you know, he's an interesting kid. He, he didn't start college right after he finished high school he took a year a year off didn't didn't turn pro 
but didn't go to college. And he was playing professional golf as an amateur, and he recognized that his game was kind of spinning. You know, there's there's real, and he said something that I've never really had a kid tell me, but it was very mature when he had decided after that year that he wanted to come to college. He said, Coach, you know, I go to whatever tournament my parents will pay for me to go to so I can play whenever I want. There's no accountability on that. And he said, you know, I think I need the the accountability you have with other teammates and the responsibility you have. You've, you've got to go earn your spot. you got to qualify to get to go on the road. He said, I think I need that. And, um, you know, it took him a year to, to break into the lineup. The only reason he didn't that year is we had a really, really good team. Victor Hovland, Matt Wolf, no uh, Austin Eckroad. I mean, we had a damn good team. We had the best team in the country by a mile. And um, and he was just outside of the lineup there, and he's just continued to grow. He hasn't been the hardest worker, but this year, you know, he kicked that into gear. And, and I know he's certainly got momentum as he goes into his professional career. He's very, very talented. Uh, so he can be proud of, of what he did at Oklahoma State. And, uh, you know, we're glad that he'll be representing the brand for a long time. After a finish like this, do you kind of let it sit in for a while and then talk to the team, or, or do you kind of have a big meeting when you get back to the hotel, or, or what What do you guys kind of do after a finish like this? You know, there's not a whole lot you can say. Uh, we, we talked briefly there, and basically like you and I are saying, and, and like you said, we had a good year. Yeah. Um, I think we won four times, and, um, you know, we had a, only finish we had outside the top four I think was in Cabo I think we finished seventh and we laid an egg the final round and we 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 just puked on ourselves in the final round somewhere in the a couple of holes on the back nine and got beat by a good field but uh so we were in contention every single week and I so I told him hey you know obviously the goal is to win the championship expectations are high at Oklahoma State it's easy for our fans to take that for granted but these guys the body of work they did they can be proud of uh, we'll learn from experiences here, and we return everyone. So that'll be the message to them. But, again, there's nothing you can really say to to uh, soften the blow. And it's always, like I said before, abrupt when, when things when things end. And I just hate for those guys that, that we're not warming up on the range right now to get ready to go this afternoon. Absolutely. And then just your overall impressions of Greyhawk. You spoke on it a little bit. Um, but there have been, you know, some mixed emotions on, you know, the course setup. Just what were your overall thoughts? What, they, the, what they've done with what you have here at Greyhawk is fantastic. Um, and, again, two years in a row, you've had the best teams right up there at the top. The only shame is, is that you can play this golf course without a driver. Um, that's not Greyhawk's fault. It's just the facts of how it is playing desert golf. Um, but they've done a phenomenal job with the hospitality, taking care of everyone, and the way that they've tricked up the golf course. They've pinched in fairways. They've grown nice rough to make it a great test, and it has done its job. So you really can't criticize it. And uh, But Desert Golf is different, and that's really the only critique I'd have. But there's nowhere to go to add tees to make you have to hit a driver out here. So fortunately, our team, that's an advantage that we've had. We've hit drivers in a lot of places, and uh, we were dominating the par fours, I think, because of that, at least through three rounds, and we played terrible yesterday. But, um, yeah. You just got to credit the people at Greyhawk. They've done a wonderful job, and it's been a fantastic place for the championship for the last two years, and we're looking forward to coming back next year. And then what are your plans as a coach this summer? I, I don't think a lot of people realize that you guys are just gearing up as far as recruiting and camps and certain things like that. Tell me about what you got going on this summer. Yeah, so <laughs> a lot of years we start camp like, 
two days after. We've we've pushed it back to like four days after. So <laughs> uh, camp starts on Sunday. We've got a lot of kids coming in that love OSU golf, and and they deserve a great experience. So uh, we'll have to shake this off. Make sure we bring good energy and uh, show them, you know, what Oklahoma State's all about. Make sure they have a good time. Um, and then even during that, there will be some recruiting going on, and recruiting doesn't stop. You know that. Um, you're always you're constantly recruiting. Really, the only downtime for college golf coaches is maybe December, January. Um, so we'll, uh, you know, Donnie and I will review what we did this year, uh, tweak the plan for next year. We're going to return a, a seriously veteran group. Uh, but we've got to keep doing a better job. You know, we, we, we didn't get it done today. And uh, so we'll go to work on, on all of that, of just trying to, to build a better team and, and help each guy improve uh, more so that it's, you know, a done deal when we get here and we can win every match 5-0. to zero. Thank you so much for taking the time today and tell the guys congratulations on a great year. Big thanks to Coach Bratton for taking the time uh, after such a disappointing and bitter end to the season for such a great team. I uh, can't imagine the, the trip home. It's going to be a long trip home for both, both OU and OSU uh, as another season has come and gone without the national championship making its way back to the state of Oklahoma. Uh, but I do want to remind everybody to go see our good friends at Brush. GroovitBrush.com. Go see them. It is quite possibly the finest golf club cleaner ever made. We've all got them on the bag. They're absolutely necessary as you're out here taking clean fillets out of these fairways. A little water in there, magnets to your bag. Uh, and you will have the cleanest clubs you've ever had. You'll hit it further. You will hit it straighter. You will shoot lower scores. Go to groupatbrush.com. Use our promo code 73rd hole to receive 10% off. That's promo code 73rd hole at groupatbrush.com. Uh, great stuff there from Coach Bratton. Really appreciate everybody taking the time to talk to Sam after the round today. Great hot guys. I want to talk about the golf course. Uh, I, I don't know. Taylor, Woody, have, have you guys played it? Taylor, I don't think you have. Woody, have you played great? I never have, no. Yeah, I've I've i played Greyhawk. Greyhawk's a Greyhawk's a heck of a golf course, guys. And if 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 the wind does get up, it, it makes it more fun. Um, it's classic desert, uh, desert golf. I mean, target golf, and you've got to hit the ball, you know, from point A to point B, which a lot of our guys weren't able to do that last week. But it's it's a good test. There is nothing I can't say enough uh, good things about Greyhawk. Great golf course. It's great for this golf tournament, too. It's a great match play golf course. Yeah, I played it back in December, and I was really impressed. Uh, Sam, obviously, you're down there on site. Greyhawk hosting three years in a row. It's it's unique. It's different. Um, what, what do people down there kind of think about it, and what do you think about it, Sam? Well, I mean, I think that the venue is great, and they treat everyone the, uh, the right way, but you know, there's certain things that I didn't like about it, especially the pin, pin placements yesterday. I, I feel like when the greens get that rock hard, and obviously you have the soft, sticky, rye, Bermuda fairways, it can get a little dicey um, around those greens, and that's ma- definitely why you saw those high scores um, out here at Greyhawk. But to me, I, I like it being out here just because I love Scottsdale, but at the same time, uh, like you heard Coach Bratton say uh, in that interview, he was basically saying you're not going to get a big crowd out here in Arizona uh, when it's this hot outside this time of year. Um, so that that's one downside to having the national championship out here in Arizona. Well, and, oh, it and, definitely you know, it's, is. It's hot out there. Go ahead. I was just going to say that, you know, I, I kind of made the counter argument earlier about the match play being more, more a little bit more parody. But, you know, one thing, guys, I just realized was looking up, you know, six of the teams that made it to the match play last year made it to the match play this year. 
Um, the only two who didn't were last year, um, Illinois and I believe Florida State made it. And this year was Texas and Texas Tech. So, I mean, OU, OSU, Pepperdine, North Carolina, Arizona State, Bandy, um, they all made it. So it's going to be interesting to see if this course going forward, guys, if, if it just suits particular team and particular style. Well, you think, obviously, Arizona State and then being in Arizona to suit themselves. But, obviously, I mean, like, Vanderbilt's made it two years in a row. North Carolina's made it two years in a row. So, it's going to be interesting to see if, if this course starts to be a horse-for-course course type of place. We see it on the PJ Tour all the time. Guys just play well, and even teams play good at, at courses. You know, we mentioned OSU always plays well at the Scarlet course where they had regionals. At, so, that was very advantageous for them. So, I don't know, guys. I think that's going to be what I'm looking for what going you- forward is if, if some of these teams start to separate and – I really just start to dominate Greyhawks. Yeah, and Woody, I'm curious to get your thoughts on uh, what Coach Hibble and what Coach Bratton said about it separating the best teams. Um, but at the same time, I'm talking to players throughout yesterday and today, and, and the players didn't like it. And so, I, I I mean, what's kind of that dynamic there, Woody? Well, and that, that, that's a great question to, to those teams to ask. Uh, is, is this – Greyhawk, is it going to be a permanent site? Do you guys no, know that? No, it, and the permanent, they're, they're actually, there's word that a permanent site in California, I can't remember what part of California or what course it is, is um, they're, they're kind of planning on making a permanent site out there uh, after right. next year. So, Well, and, and the coaches, I get where the coaches is. And, and you know, I always, I always said I'd much rather play a really hard golf course than an easy golf course because of just what you guys said. It separates. It separates the best players. Anytime you have uh, like major championships and things like that, that's why we don't very often see a fluke win a major because they tend to separate the best players. Now, as a golfer playing it, uh, that's not always your highlight reel when you got to just suck it up shot after shot after shot, and every time you turn around, there's a disaster waiting. It's easy for the coaches to say they like it because they're not out there hitting the golf ball. But I think as players, I think if you put a truth serum in all those guys, they would tell you they would still rather be playing a very difficult golf course than something that it was uh, kind of a pitch and putt. I, I will say that one thing that I would agree with some of the players that I talked to that they said, and we also heard Coach Bratton say, um, is that one thing they don't like about Greyhawk is that you can play it with a driving iron, uh, and it takes driver out of out of your hands. And I think that um, a lot of guys would like to be able to at least have that option on some holes where it doesn't really necessarily uh, come into play here at Greyhawk. Hawk, Colby. Yeah, I think so too. But then you look at a hole like 17 where, yes, you can just put the iron in your hand, but you can also be really aggressive and drive the green. And I think we see more of that in match play than we did, especially yesterday coming down the stretch and stroke play. I think it's a pretty good match play golf course. Uh, you, you know, the, the weather for me, yes, it's going to be hot there every year, but you're almost always guaranteed sunshine in Scottsdale. Very rarely are you going to have a day where the wind blows. 32 miles an hour and just really wreaked havoc on the tournament. So the, the weather's kind of a catch-22. I mean, it's going to be 98 degrees most years out there in Scottsdale, but you're also not going to have to deal with some of the crazy weather patterns, you know, if you hosted it at um, Palo Alto it's, in Northern California, I mean, the humidity, right. stuff like that, thunderstorms that we deal with in other places. We, we haven't seen any of that really in two years at Greyhawk. I think it's kind of a catch-22. It, it's weird for them to host it every year, but – I mean, I don't know. In, in college softball, every year they come to Oklahoma City. In, in college baseball, every year they go to Omaha. It's the road to Omaha. It's the road to Oklahoma City. In college golf, if it were the road to Greyhawk, then I think that that would be 
something that teams and, and players would get accustomed to. It's just not something we're used to because it's rotated so much. And I'll say this, and Taylor, I think that you're going to agree with this point. I much prefer Greyhawk, which, yes, Arizona State's the, the host, but it's not their home course. I much prefer Greyhawk as somewhat of a neutral site than I do, you know, like 2019 at Blessings, 2018 at Carson. Obviously, that worked out very well for, for Oklahoma State, which was good for us in state. But it still just doesn't feel right having a team play the national championship on their home course. I'm always in favor of a neutral site hosting. Uh, and, Taylor, I think you feel the same way. 100%, guys. I mean, I think that, you know, just that on in that you already mentioned Carson, the Blessings had. Eugene Country Club of Oregon won that. Then he had uh, even Riviera Country Club, which is where UCLA practiced, where uh, Texas won the speed team. And our boy Doug Gamm, I believe, was on that team as well. But um, but nevertheless, guys, you know, just looking back on this, I want y'all's opinion on this. I'm talking about future sides. I saw, I was at a Memorial Day party yesterday. Big Harm. I'm talking to him about this. You know how the Augusta women's amateur, right, they play – and, like, they'll have, what, three rounds or whatever on, on the other course. Then they have a day off. Then they play the actual tournament on Augusta. What if they did something like, for example, like they played the individual tournament at, at a course in California. Then they had a day off. Then they started match play at Cypress. Or up in, up in the uh, northern area, they played. Well, I mean, if you want to have the whole tournament on there, that's perfectly fine. I'm just looking at some logistics. Stuff. I just feel like if you're going to make it into a match play deal and even for television, I think you need to make it the most dramatically awesome that you can and I, I just I don't know guys I thought that would have been a pretty cool idea if you can't get the full tournament at a top five or top ten golf course I think you'd be able to get the match play there and I think that'd be pretty cool to see so that would be a unique situation different from what we've seen in the past in college golf I, I kind of like the idea I don't know logistically that you're ever going to get the players and coaches to go along with it because it's already such a long week and that would add the day off in there um, so I think that might be one of those things that I, I do like the idea, but in practice, I don't know how that would work out. What do you think, Woody? Well, I, I agree with you because the Northern California, good Lord, I can think of five or six golf courses that would be just awesome as far as bringing, uh, you know, fans to watch it. Um, Olympic and, like you said, Cypress and all those kinds of golf courses. There's so many good ones, but I just don't. First off, I don't think those clubs would want it. Um, they're, they're more interested in, major championships or no golf tournaments at all. So uh, I think we're kind of beating a dead horse. Whatever way it goes, we got to just accept it. And um, our teams need to get better. I will say one thing that, you know, as far as the home courses go, you'll get better crowds um, if you still host them at home courses. That's one thing that the NCAA probably looks at that we haven't looked at in the past. That's a very good point. Yeah. yeah, it is. The home crowd, that's something that I hadn't really thought about. Uh, what I have thought about is Ring Family Dentistry and how everybody should go see our good friends at Ring Family Dentistry. They go out of their way to ensure all treatment is as comfortable as possible. Implants, clear liner, orthodontics, they do it all. All decisions are made by the patient. They work with what they have, say what they can, and replace what they can't. Some dentists can over-treat is their philosophy. Patients in their office should only have done what they absolutely need. The patient makes the final decision. Go see them, our good friends at Ring Family Dentistry. Uh, guys, obviously, this is uh, a little bit of a, a more somber pod today as we talk about the season coming to a close for both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. It's been a great college golf season. Really enjoyed covering both of these teams, special teams. Uh, obviously, they're going to look a little bit different. Next year, it's a big help for Oklahoma State. Eugenio lopez Chicara comes back for an additional season. Uh, Oklahoma likely going to lose a couple of those guys at the top. 
but then you've got the young guys funneling through. Both programs uh, still on a good trajectory. And, and Woody, I think that we're going to be covering many more national championships with these two schools. So as much as it hurts today for both of them to be going home early, both programs, I think, still very much headed in the right direction. Oh, future's bright, for sure. The future's very bright. And then, and it'll stay bright. As, as long as you got, you know, as long as you got Ryan Hibble and you got Alan Bratton, let me tell you something. They're two really fantastic golf coaches, and they're phenomenal recruiters. So uh, with the scholarships being as minimal as they are, uh, everybody's got enough good players in the country that I think they're going to they're gonna keep getting really good talent there. So whereas I'm disappointed, it, it, you know, it's another year. How many times have we watched OU think they were going to win another national championship in football? And we've, we've been let down a few years Every since year? 2001. <laughs> so let's not let's not go uh, let's not turn this into a total black cloud day. There's been some really cool stuff, uh, a lot of good stuff this year out of both golf teams. And next year, uh, who knows? Let's go for it again. Let's see what we can do. Yeah, I'm curious to see what OSU does next year with everyone returning except for Amon Gupta. I think that. This year, they were one of the deepest teams, if not the deepest team in the country. Um, so I definitely look for OSU to be the favorite, at least in the Big 12 next year. Um, but as far as o- OU goes, I mean, obviously losing your two best players, um, you know, it's it's going to be tough. But, you know, the future is bright. I mean, Drew Goodman had a chance to be freshman of the year before yesterday with uh, Sargent, right, Colby? Yeah, he did. And then the other kid wins the, uh, wins the national championship. And that pretty much... Uh, I think you win the national championship as a freshman, your freshman of the year. So, right, exactly. uh, yeah, that worked out well for him. But, uh, I mean, Taylor, it is a little bit contrasting here with these two programs. Like Sam says, OSU only loses Gupta. OU probably losing uh, a few guys at the top, but has a ton of young talent with more on the way. We've talked about Ryder Cowan, some an in-state product uh, here on the show. on a family yep. friend of yours, Taylor. Yeah, Jay Hopper, some of these guys that are headed to OU. So, th- these programs next year – will be a little more new look for OU and a little bit more of the same for OSU. But, but Taylor, I fully expect Coach Hibble and Coach Bratton to have both of these teams back at Greyhawk next year, uh, both of them to be in match play. And as we saw this year, once you get into match play, anything can happen. I mean, I mean, fellas, I, I truly feel like that we're going to be – but besides the fact that we're, we're, we're talking about the, the season already ending now, I think a year from now we're going to be in this exact same situation. I mean, I think both teams, one of them, may, I think maybe OSU just looking off paper going into next year may be a little bit better than OU is just, just because they have Chikara coming back. So I may look for them to kind of switch roles in the sense of OSU may win a few more terms than OU does next year. I, I may be wrong on that, but I do expect, like you said, both of them to fully in match play. But, but then, guys, it just comes down to, you know, are you going to play good? Not even just that time of year, but that, that day. And it, it's so fickle and it's so fine line. I mean, we were – we were a, a camera assist putt from lipping out and a Stephen Campbell putt going in from from us not even talking right now, from us talking later on tonight, maybe even tomorrow. So it, it, it's just such a fine line. So I think that what's going to happen is next year we're going to do the exact same thing where we're going to see them, OU OSU, that's going to dominate throughout the year, that's going to keep winning, winning, winning. But then we're going to have the question of, well, can they get it done in match play? And I, it's going to be the same thing. we got a whole nother year to wait, guys. No, you're right. And, and we also have to remember – you know, the transfer portal exists. That's where Chris Goddard came from. So there could still be some things uh, to take place in the offseason here that could shape these rosters next year as well at both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Uh, but, yeah, I expect both schools 
to be back in that same situation next year. Uh, kind of like you said, Taylor, we had planned. We'd already talked about it. We had podcasts scheduled for late tonight after the uh, semifinal match finished and then late tomorrow. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, everybody's plans a little thrown off by the way it played out this morning at Greyhawk. But, guys, uh, the tournament's still going on. Let's, you know, I know we're all upset. Oh, you know, it's you're out. But let's go around the horn. We'll finish with you, Sam, since you're a Greyhawk. Uh, we'll start with you, Woody. Uh, prediction, the final four, Texas, Pepperdine, uh, Arizona State, and uh, the other school that made it, Vanderbilt. Those four, who you got? <laughs> well, I, I I hate to say it, but I think Pepperdine might pull two in a row. I really do. Uh, if it's not them, it's Texas. Uh, so, I don't know. That's just my thoughts. I, I, I just get a sinking feeling that Pepperdine's going to pull it off again. I'm going to go with, uh, I hate to say Texas, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I, I'm going to go with Arizona State. I think that you see that a lot of times, guys, where you see the momentum, but you, you get a close win and you ride that momentum, and then, and then you, you're able to get the job done. So I'm kind of a believer in Arizona State. So give me them. And, and one last note, guys, before we get out of here, talking about the individual title. Sam Bennett of Texas A&M shot a 64 yesterday, and the second best score was a 68. So let's, let's make sure to give old Mr. Sam Bennett the credit he deserves. So that 64 is one hell of a round, Sam. Absolutely. You know, guys, I picked Texas while I was on with Traver right now. Um, I know I'm not updating anybody because it's a podcast. We'll release it later. But right now, while we're making these picks, all seven matches on the course are tied. (laughs) That's pretty insane. Wow. Uh, Beautiful. And so, um, obviously, Pepperdine playing Arizona State. I like Pepperdine there. I picked Texas over Vanderbilt, the SEC champions. And so... I'm going to roll with Texas, and then I'll pick Texas over Pepperdine tomorrow. Uh, hopefully we get a Big 12 uh, champion. And, and I would love to see Cole Hammer uh, win a national title. He's a really good guy. Yeah, I don't know about love to see Texas win a national championship. I said love to Texas, see Cole Hammer. I said love to see Cole Hammer win. Fair enough. Yeah, you did. You did. Fair enough. Not Texas. I, I am reluctantly picking Texas here. I just – I'm between Texas and Pepperdine because I think one through five, I really love those two schools. Now, Vanderbilt is playing some good golf right now. They stole the one seed right out from underneath of you uh, yesterday, the final round of the stroke play. I think I'm going to go Texas over Pepperdine as well, but it's match play. None of the four would shock me. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go Texas over Pepperdine. So, uh, great stuff. Uh, great stuff by you, Sam, being out there doing stuff for the animals uh, and then getting some interviews for us here on the 73rd hole. So, uh, what are you going to do? Are you going to hang out and watch some more golf uh, today and tomorrow, or are you headed back to the Sooner State? I don't know. I guess we'll have to uh, call the bosses and see what they want me to do. I'm not sure. We weren't really <laughs> pe- we weren't really planning on only getting 18 holes in today, so uh, I figured at least one of the two schools would, would uh, advance through to this afternoon. So plans are changing, and uh, obviously just finished the interviews and then hopped on with y'all, so, so you guys know as much as I do. Fair enough. All right. Great stuff, guys. And uh, great seasons for both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Uh, Disappointing how they ended, but it was a fun ride along the way, and they'll be back in the near future. I hope everybody enjoyed this national championship recap. We'll be back uh, at some point tomorrow. We'll talk Memorial, a little U.S. Women's Open uh, as well. John Rahm trying to get redemption uh, for a year ago when he was forced to withdraw after the third round of the Memorial Tournament. Great field. We'll talk about all that tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for listening once again. By the, the way, guys, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, go ahead. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, got one last go ahead, thing. By the way, these la- I know it ended in disappointment, but it can't overshadow the fact of we just had the most electric, exciting couple of weeks 
in Oklahoma golf history as a state, right? And it's and it's finally over. I'm ready to go home and sleep, to be honest. Well, he continues somehow. It's been a magical ride, and I don't want to ever get off this train, fellas. Yeah, it's weird. It's like it's like it all built up, and it's this volcano that erupted over the last couple of weeks, <laughs> and now it's over, and the PGA Championship's come and gone, and oh, you know, she had been knocked out of the Natties, and we're about to to just head into really a couple more major championships on the PGA Tour. Uh, but in the state of Oklahoma, yeah, it's like uh, coming down off the high of the last few weeks. But uh, yeah, it's been a great time for golf in the state of Oklahoma, and there are more great times around the corner. Both programs in great shape. So uh, yeah, great point there, Sam. Golf in Oklahoma is as healthy as it's ever been, uh, and it's a lot of fun to be covering golf in this state right now. Thanks, everybody, again for listening to the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.